0: strictly sell and kayak located in the cincinnati ohio area has a lot to offer when it comes to the sailing and kayaking realm from hobie catamarans and catalina yachts to a wide range of kayaks like hobie new canoe feel free three waters and old towns they also carry products from companies like yak attack bending branches torpedo amped outdoor batteries and a list goes on so if you're in the market for a new sailboat or kayak Reach out to my friends there for great prices and awesome customer service. Chances are, if you need it, they have it. Or they can order it and have it to you quick, fast, and in a hurry. So these guys have been doing this a long time. They know their stuff. So give them a call at 513-984-1907. Or visit their website at strictlysaleinc.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Three to I don't want to get hit. Oh, yeah! <laughs> yes! I got that I i keep running. Keep running. Keep running. I have a really good background I'm going to use. You can't judge me for it. I went camping with some guys and, uh, since we were doing primitive camping and there was like four days of no cell phone service, I decided to get like the full on experience. And, uh, this is me. That's <laughs> me in a loincloth. car.
1: <laughs> <I'm>, remind <laughs> me not to go camping with you.
0: <laughs> they're, they're back to it. And so I would like <clears throat> purposely just walk away from them. So they had to stare at me. It was the best four days that they
2: hated my entire life. Oh, man. That's... Oh, please tell me you guys are going to put, like, a actual video of this out somewhere with Ryan half naked. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> I see your nipples.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh,
1: God.
0: Uh, oh, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? Pretty good. i played around and did absolutely nothing all day, really. Nice. Uh, it's good to finally have you on the podcast, Ryan. Uh, Ryan Borch, that's how you pronounce it, right? Yes, sir. Okay. And Kike, Mike, Mike's been on uh, the podcast a couple times already. It's great to have him back. It's always good to have him on. I mm-hmm. always, always get a lot of good feedback, even from our BKA guys that are interested in catfishing or just want to get into it. And it's, uh, as I said before, it's it's always good to see. That side of you know, as we've talked before, Mike, you know, bass fishing is probably the most popular fishing there is, and for sure, you know, musky fishing, cat fishing, you know, even crappie fishing kind of gets put on a back burner, uh, more so than than bass. But man, it's great to see how kayak fishing has evolved. We've talked about this before, and uh, people are musky fishing out of kayaks, cat fishing out of kayaks, and it's just a great topic we're going to talk about tonight. I won't dive into it yet but because we got a lot to talk about i want to talk about the trail but we're going to be talking about some winter kayak catfishing tactics uh for those of you who want to tackle catfishing in the winter but yeah so wade you haven't met uh kayak mike or rhyme boards have you that is correct i have not i've uh i've listened to the episodes where my kayak mike's on but i've uh never had the pleasure of meeting these guys well you're in the presence of absolute greatness.
2: <laughs> 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 and evidently a liar too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one of us were great this past year. The other one just handed him all the money.
0: Oh well, yeah. I heard uh, Ryan kicked tail this year. You won three, three was it three trails, Ryan? Uh, yes, I did the
1: uh, Ohio Trail, which was an in person tournament series that Mike put together. I won the uh, we call it the regional. It's kind of a small group of guys that it's actually the group of guys that started what Mike has took off with. Now um, it started out, you know, when COVID hit, we were having our tournaments on Taylorsville Lake here and COVID hit so that we put them all to be in online because they wouldn't let you have tournaments in person anymore. Yeah. So that's around the same time. If I'm not bad wrong, that Mike actually came in to fishing with us and he, he started doing it on the attorney uh, X app. And then it moved up to a national trail, and then it's uh, Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky in that the regional, we call it. And then uh, I actually won the the Cat King National Series this year, which was, in the end, it was boat, bank, and kayak versus each other. Nice. Nice.
0: Wow. Uh, Mike, uh, although I guess it's kind of hard to follow that, I mean, you're obviously not as good as Ryan is, but. (laughs) <laughs> Not this
2: year. <laughs> now the year before that, I was his daddy. This this past year. Oh. I won <laughs> I won one event. I won Hoover, and I think that was it. So like to just to recap, so we did an Ohio kayak fishing trail last year, kind of like a test run for the national one we're doing this year. Okay. Um Hoover, I won. And you then the, so I, at Hoover. Yeah, I got you at Hoover and then sciota River. Um, neither of us fished it, so I couldn't tell you who. Actually, I could tell you. I could just click on it right now. I'm looking right at it. So Aaron Grubb won that one. Shout out to Aaron Grubb. He was, um, I think he won the point race for the Scioto River, and then Corey Grubb was the Scioto River Cat King this year. Give out some more props in the scene. Sandusky... Okay,
0: I, gotta, I gotta ask real quick. So, since neither one of you fished it, uh, who do y'all think won that one, between you
2: two? May, oh, oh, me that for sure.
0: Me. Yeah. No chance. No chance.
2: <laughs> that's, that's, the, so the silo river is essentially a slightly bigger little Miami. Um, okay. I, I would have been the favorite. All right, let me put it this way. I would have been the betting favorite for sure. Just because that's what I, like, that's my territory now, you know, fishing any given Sunday, anyone can win in a fishing tournament. Cause like Ryan's a good, he's a good angler too, but I mean, it's what I do. Now, if we were just going to a random big, like Hoover, I'll be honest, I would have gave him the betting favorite at Hoover, even though I won that one, because it was a Dragon Lake. And that's what Ryan, you know, owned for the first couple of years of hidden fishing. Nice. Yeah, what-
1: I'm, I'm, I specialize in Dragon, which uh, I guess if, you know, you, you, you better some type of structure where you're going to find fish. And and you use a dragon weight and a float to keep your bait up off the bottom a little bit. That's my specialty. That's I kind of started honing that last year, and it it just took off for me. Uh, I'll that's that's what I tell everybody. Always drag. That's that's my motto. If you can drag, drag.
0: Okay. Hey, uh, give me two seconds here. Wade said he was having some. uh, It's back now. It but it froze up on me there for a little bit. So. Okay. yeah but yeah so uh so uh carry on there kike mike i know you wanted to get on some of the other events you had there
2: The there were a couple more so sandusky he takes third i take fourth uh there's a theme here in, in a second cowan lake he takes first i take second uh oh by the way in the first one hoover i took first he took second and then no, hoover, Grand Lake Saint... third. oh you were third yeah, Mark Martin Martin beat me at Hoover. Also, remember I only caught one fish. Oh yeah, yeah. So he was third, and but then Grand Lake Saint. Yeah, and then <laughs> Grand Lake Saint Mary's. He was first. I was second, and then the Ohio River one. I was at a bachelor party, and he won that one. So,
0: uh, I see, yeah, uh, excuses.
2: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna, yeah. I, I was gonna fish that one. I was in Louisville for the bachelor party. He was gonna come up from his house to pick me up. To go fish it at what dam was Green Up Dam? I went to Green Up. Yeah, it was like three and a half hours away. Yeah. And the night before, I was just like, dude, it's a bachelor party. It's like 5 p.m., it's bachelor party. So let, I'm not fishing this one tomorrow. I'm sorry. I was like, Which
0: I called a week ahead of time, by the way. <laughs> 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 he said he still came home smelling like fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 I- I gotta uh, no but listen. So Wade was talking a lot of smack here um, before y'all hopped on, and he's caught a couple catfish with a jig bass fishing. And he said, "If I could catch them with a jig, there's no doubt I could fish a kayak trail and hammer these guys. Think there's something special, Wade. You want to elaborate on that, man? Man, you said you weren't gonna bring this up." I don't know if I can trust you anymore now or not.
1: Uh, All I'm going to say is I could use that extra $150 a month (laughs) also.
0: Truth be told, I haven't caught any catfish on a jig other than a Ned rig while I was pre fishing for bass and uh, Nick's full of crap.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny
1: funny story that's actually how I got into kayak catfishing I was uh I was bass fishing with live shiners down here on my local lake like it's literally two miles from my house and I got into some channel cats and uh, I mean I was catching like you know eight ten pound channel cats doing that and uh I posted them on Facebook and actually the guy that got a hold of me now then is one of my best friends and he uh he hit me up, and he's like, hey, we're having a free kayak tournament at Taylorsville Lake for catfish. You should come fish it, you know. I'm like, oh, man, I ain't trying to do that. I'm a bass guy. I'm not I'm not going catfishing, you know. I just caught them on dumb luck. And uh, he's like, come on down. You know, it's free. You ain't got nothing to lose. Well, I show up and win that tournament. And, oh, and that just snowballed from there, you know. I mean, he took me out the next weekend because I won with, like, five 14-inch fish, you know, like. Like, probably wouldn't have been a contender in a bass tournament here with with the catfish that I caught that night. He said, well, let me take you out and put you on a real fish. And uh, he takes me out the next weekend, and I get, like, a 20, maybe 25-pound blue cat. You know, and I'm on a little cheap lifetime tamarack kayak. That was the best fish fight I've ever had to date. You know, I mean, it just dragged me all over the lake. That's awesome. And I was hooked. And then he started up the Taylorsville Trail. You know, we did, like, one tournament a month all summer. And then, like I said, COVID hit and we went to doing online stuff where we were just posting fish in a group, a Facebook group, and it just snowballed from there. Then Mike came in and he took it to Mm -hmm. crazy new levels of where we're at now and where we're going this year, which is unheard
0: of in kayak fishing as far as I know, period. So from that, that's a good segue. Um, From that, Kite Mike, I won't uh, bore you with having to do like an introduction of yourself again. I know you've probably did it once or twice on the podcast, but, you know, I, I would like to go from here. Let's talk about that trail and then we're going to segue again into uh, catfishing uh, winter uh, kayak uh, catfishing tactics. And uh, but let's hit on the trail this year. Some things that uh, you're doing and uh, go from there, man. What's promoted?
2: All right. So this trail, um, so kayak catfishing, it's, there's no, it's no secret that we struggle on numbers on events. Uh, and the the main reason for that is I'm just going to be blunt. It, it's typically the same winner over and over again. And like, why would you go out there and risk an entry fee when you're just going to get back maybe your gas money? So like, if I'm going to put $50 into a tournament and then travel five hours with the ability to win like three or $400, I'm I'm not even breaking even. So I was like we got to we got to figure out a way to get these numbers up. And you know, a lot of times like um like the smaller businesses, everyone wants this like immediate return and I, no one's willing to invest money to make money. So I was just like, you know what, next year, I'm just going to fund a trail. I was going to pick five places, put five grand into my own or six grand. Cause I was going to do a big fish at e- each event for 200 bucks. I was going to put six grand into the scene, charge a little membership. So I made a little money back next year and just call it like the kayak Mike national trail, $1,000 to first $200 to big fish guaranteed before entries, $150 entry fee. There'll be a point race this way the winner is guaranteed to make money. If you spend more than a grand at one of these events, that's your fault. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like you're no longer going to these catfishing tournaments and just Trying to like break even. There's actual money on the line. Uh, and then I called one company, um, Catfish Sumo. I'm pretty good friends with Daniel, who's the owner. And I asked him like, "Hey, this is my plan. This is what I'm gonna do. Do you want to get in?" And I just told these companies, "Look, it's it's thousand dollars to title sponsors, two hundred dollars to big fish. I don't want any of your gear because no offense, nobody wants the gear at these tournaments. Nobody wants free gear. They want money. People want money. Now I told the companies like." If you want to give us free gear to give away, fine, but you got to hit that $200 threshold in cash first. Because like, what? no offense to some of these companies, they'll say like, oh, I'm going to give you $500 worth of gear as a $500 sponsorship. That was $40 of overhead. You gave us a $40 sponsorship. You didn't give us a $500 sponsorship. So I was just like, and I, I pulled all these anglers and I'm like, what do you guys want? Do you guys want to like, this is what we can get. And I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do the whole cash thing myself. But then Catfish Sumo got it. And then I called um, my buddy, Dave, who is the chubby fish owner. He got in for two events. And I'm like, oh, my God. All right. Maybe we'll make it six events now. And then I called a few more companies. So what we're going to do here with this trail, it's a two to three year investment. Um, Whether these sponsors this year come back or not, I explained to all the sponsors, it's a two to three year investment, uh, $1,000 per event every single year. I don't want you just to come in this year and not come back the next year. So essentially, all these sponsors are guaranteed to come back next year as well. And I want them to understand they got to spend money to make money. So this first year, of the trail, the numbers might be low, but there's going to be people making actual money at these events. And another thing I'm doing with these sponsors, they're not just getting like their their, uh, company logo on a piece of paper. I'm making ads for them throughout the entire year. Uh, We have codes for all these companies throughout the entire year. So these guys aren't getting like, so a great example, Cat for Sumo. They're our first two events. I'm Mm -hmm. not going to stop promoting Cat for Sumo April 16th. They're going to get monthly ads throughout the entire year. So when he runs that OCT 10 code at the end of the year, whatever money he made, if he didn't make the total sponsorship... We'll divide that by how many ads I gave him and then all the views, et cetera. So in theory, let's say he comes $400 short of the $2,400 investment he's made. We'll take $400 divided by the 70 ads I'm going to give him. Well, that's what he just paid per ad. And that's how I'm explaining it to these companies. I'm like, this is like, as far as pennies against advertising, you're going to be making, it's a really good investment to jump on board our trail and sponsor our events uh going forward because it, it's not just like i cannot tell you how many tournaments we go to and like there's all these quote-unquote sponsors but it the the host didn't do anything to promote them except for put them on a little piece of paper so what yeah. we're, we're gonna we're gonna do that completely different and like chubby fish dave i'm working four of his shows um not marine they sell jackson kayaks um do i'm working CatCon. Uh, for not marine and chubby fish down at uh Catcon. You'll more than likely see me in the strictly cell booth on this upcoming Sunday, I believe, like a week from today. I'm pretty sure I'm in their booth on Sunday for a very good majority of time. I'm also like exchanging services. <laughs> so it's like hey, you know, Chubby Fish example, he put in for two events. He he did his investment, but he's also getting manual labor. Ryan's working, I'm working, my buddy's Mark working. So like your investment isn't just a, a, a name on a piece of paper and a little like flyer at a tournament. It's right. we're It's a, t- it's a team. Like if you invest in this trail, like we are now on a team, it's not, it's business, but it's more of a family in my, it, it feels more like a family working as a team to build as opposed to just like, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies.
0: Yeah. I like it's that. Not, uh,
1: it's not just all the advertising that Mike does through the, through the group uh, YouTube channel and the group Facebook page, us anglers that all do YouTube and TikTok and reels and, and all that stuff, you know, and we're talking about the tournament, we're going to say we're down here at the Catfish Sumo tournament, you know, on Nick and Jack Lake or, you know, thanks to Catfish Sumo for sponsoring this tournament or whatever, especially if I win, you know, I'm going to throw that name out there, you know, I mean, yeah.
2: not if, but when. Uh, Oh, and real quick, real quick. I am not fishing my trail next year. Um, that was one of the worries about the sponsors. Uh, it doesn't matter how honest you are as a host. If there's real money on the line and you're hosting an event and you win or do well, or consistently win and do well, it's a red flag. Like it doesn't matter how honest you run things. I'm pretty transparent. I don't know anyone who's showing spreadsheets on YouTube of everything that they ever got money-wise as opposed to what they put out. Like I'm about as transparent as it can get, but even then it like, there's no, why, why even, why would I even bother putting myself in that situation where someone can question it? So I'm not fishing any of my events this year.
1: And that was kind of a bummer for me because that's, that's part of my enjoyment is talking trash with my <laughs> four our tournaments. I mean, to be honest, me and him <laughs> will go out and, and we'll only be play fishing. You know what I mean? Like, we met at the falls, you know, and we're still competing with each other, just well, to, just to be competing with each other.
0: I'll tell you what, what you told me, uh, I was tournament director over bluegrass kayak anglers last year, and uh, I uh, respectfully handed that over because I got too busy. And my buddy said, uh, Jeff Stewart. He said, "Well, now you have no excuse to uh, uh, not zero go." <laughs> oh yeah
1: so to be honest with you this trail i expect it to to pull in more talent i mean i really do uh like the carolina trail we've got uh i think mike finally decided on kerr lake for that one there's some really good anglers in carolina's you know uh ronnie poland and all those boys uh they're really good anglers and they fish those bodies of water regularly So it's not going to be just one guy show up and and take money every single event. Like, I mean, I know going into this, I'm not going to win every single tournament. We went into the Ohio Trail, and, like, I was cocky. You know what I mean? I'd roll up to the tournament going, I'm going to take this one. I'm going to take this one, even after I pulled the loss on the
0: first one. Uh, Is that the Carolina Trail? Is that one – is it Jesse O'Neill? Is he over that
2: one? Uh, He runs – yeah, he runs a a local trail – Amongst just the Carolina lakes. And then we're coming in August 13th and we're hitting Kerr Lake on August 13th. We just, the, the lake is decided for sure. The boat launch hasn't been 100% confirmed yet. Uh, I got in touch with North Carolina. They don't require permits or anything. Um, But everyone I've talked to who fishes Kerr, they all say the best ramps are in Virginia. And Virginia hasn't gotten back to me yet. So... Mm -hmm. It's gonna be there guaranteed. It's just a matter of, you know, are we gonna launch out of North Carolina or launch out of Virginia? In that event, I'm gonna I'm gonna plug that event really quick. That event actually has thirty four hundred dollars guaranteed right now. Nice. Yeah, so every That's event awesome. so far has twelve hundred minimum. That event has thirty four hundred guaranteed. And the um the national event, the rising sun event, that one has twenty four hundred dollars guaranteed before the point race. Point race will get paid out paid out there in quotations, um, as well.
0: So how can people, um, I don't even know if we, if we hit on the name of the trail, if you want to oh, do yeah. that, talk about how people can join, uh, real quick too, before we forget.
2: So online catfishing tournaments is the name of the club on fishing chaos. If you go on fishing chaos, you join the club, the very first trail in the upper left, it'll be the not Marine national kayak catfishing trail. Not Marine is a title sponsor for the point race, uh, for the whole entire series. Um, you go in and that, there that's where you. K N O T. K N O T. Yeah. K.N.O.T. <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like a fishing knot. And, um, you go in there, that's how you register. Always feel free to hit me up on Facebook and ask me questions. We're doing, every year I put out a brand new video on how to register for events. Um, I'm doing that before the end of this month. Our, se- our seasons and series don't start till March. So I like to, in the beginning of the new year, put out all the freshest stuff. That way, cause if I put out like a how-to video two months ago and they changed the software, it's kind of pointless. But like now we're in that spot where like, I have to get it out cause we're getting a little too close. Um, but yeah, it, it'll go over how to measure fish, how to submit fish, how to register for a tournament, um, the boards that you need and all that kind of stuff. Uh, online catfish tournament. online catfishing tournaments on Facebook is the group name. Um, we do monthly events as well. Uh, we do local events like the side of river for, for one, we're not doing an Ohio trail cause that's being replaced by the national trail. Um, and let me see here. Is there anything else special? And, not that I could think hard. of.
1: Asking questions and stuff, I personally like to see people ask them in the Facebook group because there's usually more people with the same question. You know okay. what I mean? And that, that keeps my, or sometimes even myself, from answering the same question a dozen times in the same week. You know, somebody will ask a question on there, and there will be 10 people pop in and say, yeah, that's I just need to know that as well. And it, it really helps a lot of people.
2: And real quick, our final event is pretty unique. Um, if I can, I like tagging our events alongside of boat events just because it just have kayak fishermen or cat fishermen with cat, cat fishermen. Okay. Our nationals is September 10th. Uh, the biggest cat fishing boat tournament is Rising Sun, Indiana, uh, every year in the country. <laughs> um, September 10th, we are having our kayak, our kayak nationals alongside that event. Same exact time, same exact day. We're going to use their stage. We'll have hundreds of people in the crowd watching us when we do our awards and all that kind of stuff. And Ryan was a really good sport with this idea. Um, That event is double the points, double the money. So normally it's a really simple point system. First place, 100 points. Second place, 99 points. So on and so forth. Two points for biggest fish. Really simple. Uh, But since Ryan, like seriously, Ryan killed everyone last year. And it wasn't even close going down to the last two weeks. He didn't even have to really fish the last two weeks. Uh, But if you're within 200 points, you have a legitimate shot at winning the point race because Ryan and I, we're already committed to fishing the boat tournament. We won't be fishing the kayak tournament. So there's a very, very legitimate shot at if you're within 200 points of whoever's in first, if they don't fish that final event. Now, I'm not assuming Ryan's going to be in first, but like he's the favorite right now. Come on. He killed everybody last year. So if Ryan's in first and he doesn't have a 200 point lead on the next person, you have a very, very high likelihood of winning the point race. And the point race is the same exact deal starts at a thousand dollars for first place. Every single entry free will bump that up a little bit.
0: Nice. Nice. That's awesome. awesome. Guys, those of you listening, uh, be sure to check out the trail, follow them on Facebook and, uh, any questions post it on Facebook there and, uh, go fish an awesome trail. got two guys here that are, Outstanding guys. Uh, I've talked to before. I know I met you, Ryan, at a, at a fishing show. Um, you know, it's just, it's great to see trails like this happening. Like I said, you know, catfishing out of kayaks is something you didn't see 10 years ago. And, uh, this thing taking off and the, leg- the legitimacy of, of, of the trails just c- continuing to get better. Uh, Mike, appreciate you for that, man. And, and all you're doing for, uh, the sport of kayak catfishing.
1: And thank you. If anybody wants to come to these tournaments and stuff, I usually go early. Like like some of these tournaments, I'm going down for an entire week, but I'm usually there early. Mike's usually there early. We will share bait if we have it, right down to just barely enough to get me through the tournament. You know what I mean? I'll I'll share fishing tips. You can fish right beside me most of the time. You know, I mean a lot of places I go. Most people won't put a kayak, especially <laughs> with the Tennessee events. But, but I mean, I, I welcome that. You know, I've, I've never been to a tournament where I didn't help the next guy all I could, whether it means him beating me or not. I will help anybody all I can. Mike will help anybody all he can. And uh, he's actually going to do some YouTube podcast stuff. Me and him is, I guess, to, to put out our fishing techniques for which tournament and how we're going to do it, where. Um, I don't I think you want to do the first one Thursday, don't you, Mike?
2: First one's going to be this Thursday and that's actually a great point. Uh one of the concerns some of the anglers have who don't really travel the country to fish is I don't necessarily want to drive 5 hours to just figure something out. Um so we're doing I'm calling them study sessions at least a bunk before every single event. Ryan and I are going to go on avionics from start to finish on the boundaries of every single set of um, lakes that we're going to a reservoirs or rivers, we are going to do an in-depth breakdown of the Navionics, the structure, all the boat launches. Cause you're allowed to trailer in our events. So like you show up, you check in, you're allowed to go trailer and we're going to do like, um, we're going to get all the addresses for all the boat launches alongside whatever body of water we're on. We're going to go Navionics and we're going to go in depth. We're going to talk about if the water's this temp, if the water's this speed, these are going to be the things that we're going to be trying to do and where, um, the things that you would do as a, an angler yourself, but you know, let's say you're really busy and you work 48, 60 hours a week. You know, I, I get it. Some people are like, Oh, just put the time." Sometimes it's really just not a reality. So at least like we're going to try and do like a really heavy in-depth study session of these bodies of waters for other people. And we have fished every single one of these, except for Curlake. Curly's the only one we haven't fished. But like I said, that's Ryan's bread and butter. Like it's dragging, like that's Ryan's bread and butter. And we're going to try and have guests who have fished it. In a lot of these reservoirs on with us and the point isn't to give spots away i don't want anyone thinking like we're going to give spots away we're going to end up showing spots obviously because like nick jack for example i'm going to show you the navionics graph and as we're going down i'll be like there's a hundred foot hole there here's a hundred foot hole here you know you might want to hit this mud flat over here so yes we're going to go over specific spots But I'm not gonna like say when I fished here two years ago, I sat right here, you know. And that's that's not what the point of this study session is. The point of this study session is, and it's also like to teach anglers how to go about tournaments. I cannot tell you how many times I've been at a tournament, someone just shows up and they just fish with no plan. Literally, they have no plan. They just show up and go fish. And I'm like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Like, you don't know what the water temps are. You don't know what the current is. Like, you don't have a plan for every single situation. And like, no, I, ju- I just kind of just show up with um, gear and go fishing. And I'm like, ah, well, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Password, <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's why you see some guys consistently in the top. And that's why you see – actually, no. That's why you just see some guys consistently at the top. Because here's the thing. You can also come in dead last and do a million hours of homework. <laughs> like <Yeah>. just because <laughs> – yeah, yeah. That's you like know? me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could do yeah. everything right and still get skunked. Like uh, Ryan and I, when we fished the falls the other day – I missed about 25 30 fish. <laughs> Did you Ryan, Ryan wow. caught about Ryan caught about 25 fish. Yeah. And I actually caught that last fish
1: was one that Mike had missed like seven times. And he he's like I've missed this fish seven times and I come here and see if you can catch it. I go over and spot lock and, and back my bait right and nail it on the first bounce. I mean, literally I can't say it was the same fish, but it was in the exact same spot, the same distance from the kayaks. I mean it, it was timed out perfect. It, it it was that fish was either the same one or it was laying right next to it.
0: Sounds like okay. the same fish to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what <laughs> what you're saying is Ryan is that once again you're just all around better. Better, <laughs> better than mine,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. No I will give you know how- him credit on this. That was one of my areas. Like I, I heavily, heavily fished that area this summer, so I knew, I knew a lot about that area. I, I actually broke my PB uh, blue cat and my PB flathead just upriver from where we were this summer.
0: What What was that? What's your What's your PB on both?
1: I'm guesstimating around fifty on the flathead. It was definitely in the right size range to be that. I don't I don't have scales to weigh anything over forty pounds. And it honestly, I don't think you could on that. The blue, I'm gonna say seventy-ish. It was oh, probably bigger than that, wow. but it was just just for the sake of not having anybody saying, "Oh well, that fish was nowhere near that." You know, they can't deny it was seventy.
0: Wow, wow. I don't know what I would do with the seventy fish. I, I didn't either up until that day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know what you do now. You jerk it up in the kayak as quick as you can get it in there and run, find some fake pictures of <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. oh, and, and that area is a very, Mike mentioned the files up there. That area is very productive, but you really have to know what you're doing when you go up there. I learned that the hard way. Um, the only time I flipped the Hobie was there this year. I forgot to put the plugs in the back of it. And, uh, about $2,000, about $2,000 worth of gear and one, uh, oh crap moment later. Uh, uh, I checked those plugs before I put the kayak in the water. Now
0: I've, uh, I've not flipped because of that, but I have done that. Uh, Jeremy Honican was right behind me and he's like, Hey, wait. And uh, it's like, what? He's like, your drain plugs aren't in. <laughs> so he went, he screwed them in for me right on the water. I did it at uh,
1: at Cowan Lake last year when I was in my PA 12. And uh, me and Mike kind of showed up a little bit late for that tournament. I think we launched – or I actually launched, I think the tournament started at 8 in the morning. And I launched at like 8.15 or something. I don't know. I, I was running late and I was all flustered. Put the kayak in and I get halfway out in the middle of the lake and I'm like, I mean, dead center of the lake, and I call Mike. I'm like, hey, Mike, buddy, um, I forgot my plug, so if you see me upside down before I get back to the shore, come help me. <laughs> so I run back over to the shore, and it was all I could do to get that kayak stood up and drained out by myself. I'll bet. That, so. the, the, the one at the falls, though, when you get up there below them dams and that current, that is no time for having stupid mistakes like that. I mean, that current is – it's ripping.
0: I mean, that, that's – it was pretty hectic. You're talking about the falls of Ohio. Yes. Wow, man. I've I've wade fished that a lot. And that's that's some serious current.
1: Yeah, um, we actually fish right against the hydros at the lower dam. The upper where you're talking about wade fishing at up there, that is uh around that upper dam and stuff in the summertime. That's actually where I caught all my really big fish at this year. That's incredible. Oh. I was scared to death a kayak at river. Yeah. Um, for good reason. I mean, everybody told me for years and years and years, you can't fish the Falls of the Ohio on a kayak. You can't do it. it. No, it's too dangerous. And I didn't go for like two years. And finally, I got tired of asking people to go with me. You know, all my local buddies around here and stuff, they, they're, no, it's too dangerous. You can't do it. And finally, I just loaded up and went up there. I told the wife, I said, if I get there and can't fish it, I'll go up and fish West Point or somewhere else, you know, Brandenburg or somewhere in the area. And I just went up there and put it in and tried it. Now, we've had a couple of close calls getting back to the truck. You know, they've cranked the water up while we were up river in the upper. And they cranked the water up. And you get back and you have to hand load your kayak, which is not fun. (laughs) But
2: yeah, I'm going to do a quick PSA on that. If anyone's listening who wants to go do that, go with somebody. Uh, We are we're really on the edge of shouldn't be doing it. Like we, when we, when we go bump, bump these, uh, hydros and these, you know, the kayaks today are amazing, but we really truly are on the edge of, you know, when a kayak can't be held in the spot lock by a trolling motor, because the current's that fast, there's a very high likelihood you shouldn't be fishing it. And that's what Ryan and I are fishing. <laughs> and it's not even so much the, it's not the current that's coming past you quick. Cause you know, three and a half, four mile an hour current, just straight current. Like, don't get me wrong fast but doable if you have a a spot lock motor when you're in the hydros it's when the water comes from the left and then the right and then it comes up behind you or you're every now and then my trolling motor will start going straight into because like the swallow come well it'll grab the motor propeller and i'll start going into the water like i see my nose starting to dip down and go into the water so we we're we're great brand ambassadors showing what these kayaks can do. But as far as being a sport ambassador, we, we really are telling the line of it, go out with someone. First of all, don't do it by yourself. And second of all, a eh, eh, where your life vest, do that kind of stuff too. Like if you're going to go sit beneath a dam and fish in a kayak, especially if you're going to fish like in hydros, when hydros are running, make sure you're on your a game. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah put your I, head on the swivel. Make sure you're watching everything for sure. That Man, whew, that, that just butterflies in my stomach when he's talking about that. I was like,
1: holy it, crap. It's an <laughs> adrenaline rush just doing it. I mean, it is. Just being there in the kayak is an adrenaline rush the first few times you do it because it's the water. Like Mike said, the water just hits you from all angles. It'll be coming dead on face first at you, and and you get your path set the way you want it with your, your – you know, you set your direction on the trolling motor, and then – two minutes it smacks you from the side all at once up at the falls that last trip we made this year mike seen me about go upside down in the hobie but i did i mean i turned sideways in the current intentionally and the wind was ripping i mean it was like 40 50 mile an hour wind up there and when i turned <laughs> yes. sideways in the, into the current the wind happened to catch me at the right angle at the right time and i was literally hanging off the opposite side of the kayak to keep it from flipping and I just looked at Mike, and he just looked at me, and I, he's like, he knew right then that I was almost upside down.
0: Oh my gosh! Jeez. Yeah, how, how deep's the water up there, too? How deep? Yeah,
1: it was what Mike thirty-ish in places, and then it backs off to like fourteen behind you.
2: Yeah. So when where we were starting the bump right up next to the hydro, it was between ten and sixteen foot. But as you got farther away, it got a little deeper. Uh, go, getting to the hydro from the other side of the river. Uh, it had a couple good 30, 40 foot holes there. I might've saw 50 once, but yeah, I had a couple good holes there, but what we were, what I was specifically sitting in and, and walking my baits back, it, it started off about 10 to 16 foot and then gradually got deeper. But yeah, there it's all like, you could never suspend her if that, cause it goes 10 foot, 16 foot, eight foot, 20 foot, 15 foot, 30 foot. Like you would never be able to, yeah, and, and be- you
0: Constantly yeah. adjusting your line length, like you never get to do yeah. anything else.
2: Yeah. It's, also, it's if you are hung in a tight. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead, Ryan. It's a it's a very different
1: place to fish. I mean, it is, it's uh nowhere I've ever fished has ever ever been anything to compare to how that fish is up there. Now the same same technique, you know, below what have we bumped now? Four dams. I've bumped four or five dams now. Check the Nick. same technique works at all the dams. But you just have to be more on your toes there because the bottom is up and down and you really have to
2: pay attention to the feel of that bait. Also, you you can flip your kayak simply by getting snagged if you're not paying attention. So like our our gear is so strong, we're using anywhere between 60 and 100 pound test. So if you're snagged and you come up on your snag too quickly and your rod tip goes straight down into the water and your kayak's coming two and a half miles an hour and now it hits your rod, that line's not going to snap before your kayak tips over. It's, it's just imagine hitting, uh, what, what are those brush piles called when you're like going down a river and you hit a brush pile, but your kayak gets sucked underneath. What? Yeah. Oh, I forget oh, what a yeah. 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 That's what happens. But with your rod, I had to dump a rod down in Tennessee because I got hung and I was being stubborn and I was trying to break it, trying to break it. And then next thing I know I was flipping, I just dropped the rod. I'm like, well, I don't have this rod in real no more. And that that
1: dam at Chickamauga is another one that's a whole other beast of its own because there's a, a railroad bridge something like 100, 150 yards below the dam. And that water comes out of the dam and it just piles up against those pylons. So it's going between those pylons twice as fast as it is anywhere else. And, and that's actually my gauge. If I can get up there and get through between those pylons at that bridge, I'm good to fish that upper part it, because if it's going in too fast to fish up there, you can't get through with a motor guide motor between the pylons. It's going faster than the motor will take you. I actually yeah. made a video this year of me trying to get through between the pylons. And it was just like, I was spotlocked. I mean, I was going literally nowhere between those bridge pylons. And then I got to reading the gauge later on in the day and they had it at 40,000 CFS. And I told Mike, I was like, all right, we know if we come here, we cannot go at 40 CFS or more or 40,000.
2: Yeah. Learn to read your gauges. That's huge. Because um, 40,000 CFS there isn't the same as 40,000 CFS somewhere else. All right. a, lo- a lot of people yeah. just hear that number and they're like, oh, that's a lot of water. But if it's a bigger dam, that doesn't mean anything and vice versa. And yeah.
1: in, in the Falls of the Ohio, that dam doesn't give you a CFS reading. It gives you how many feet of dam they have opened up. So so normally when you get online or you, you call the dam number, it says, you know, we're running 25,000 CFS and so many thousand units at the hydro. Well, when you call the Falls of the Ohio, they don't say that. They say we're running 25,000 CFS from the hydros and we're running nine feet of dam on the lower and five feet on the upper. So you have to learn the differences in each dam you're going to it's like Mike was talking about doing your homework. So I told him the other day, he put that tournament thing out and I said, our series started just now. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, my homework started as soon as you put that list out. You know, I was, I was texting Mike the other night at 10 or 11 o'clock. I'm like, Hey, what was the boundaries on this again? And I'm, I'm sitting there going over Navionics. then, you know, knowing even though i have a plan of what i'm going to do and i know basically where i'm going to go i need those backup areas you know i need that if if the water's going too fast for me to fish here the way i want to fish i need a backup spot
2: speaking of areas to fish segue to winter catfishing. am i muted (laughs) no, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. So I, I was just like, I I was Speaking I was te- I was teeing it up for you.
0: What pound thrust troll motors are you all using?
2: Uh 55. 55. I'm, I'm a
1: little different. Mike uses the 36 inch motor and I run the uh the 54 inch shaft on mine because I take I use the quick release bracket and pull mine off and use it on my boat as well. So I run the the longer shaft just like what, what you order for a boat and swap them back and forth. Does that affect you in shallow water at all? No, I just raise the uh raise the motor oh. up and use the little clamp lock thing and okay. I've so it, it does hinder me, but only when I'm like skipjack fishing or when I'm doing some crappie fishing or bass fishing or something to where I don't have it all the way down. It's yeah. a hindrance for sidearm casting.
0: Yeah, I guarantee that. So um, I recently made a purchase last year, and some people called me crazy. Uh, but I've got a couple buddies um, that run pretty pretty hardcore trolling motors on their new canoe Unlimiteds. And I bought a uh, 24-volt, 80-pound thrust. Uh, yeah, so- that's
2: what I want. Yeah. <sighs> that's, that's what
0: I want. If have lithium, <laughs> that's an option. See so, when we built ours, lithium was not that big of a thing yet. Well, I'm still running lead acid. I run about 100 pounds of batteries.
2: <laughs> Jesus oh, Christ! <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've but seen it. So, it's it's crazy, man. I yeah. actually still run one lead
1: acid uh, deep cycle marine battery on mine, but that's just because I like to have the extra backup. I've I've got the uh, iconic lithium
0: hundred amp hour. And eight hours in the dams will kill that battery. So I run two 12-volt, 109-amp-hour batteries in tandem. And uh, that in the back is about 100 pounds. My troll motor is about 55 pounds. Uh, I bought the Minn Kota Taroba, uh 24-volt, 80-pound thrust. And I'll say this. You know, you guys know thrust don't really give you much more speed. 12 to 24, you get a little more speed. Um, but uh, I get about 6.5 miles an hour in my kayak and i'm I'm anxious I bought it because I like the river fish too and there are some rivers that I like to fish that I have struggled getting upstream uh, with my uh, I had a minkota power drive v2 55 pound thrust that I don't know if it's just on its way out it was a good motor very reliable but some of this current you know I couldn't really bust through and uh, my buddy uh, Sammy he uh, he's the one that got me to to it talked me into getting a little bit more thrust on your motor. And he said, it'll push current a little bit better, you know, push up current a little bit better. So I'm, I'm excited to try that thing on, on some bigger rivers. Now, Dude, What
1: kayak are you
0: in? Uh, Unlimited. I'm currently in a PA 14 and Mike
1: about has me converted over to going to a
0: Jackson. Uh, I'm just kidding. Both, Jackson, great. both yeah. good kayaks. Yeah.
2: yeah. At, once you get but, to the upper end, though, like it's split in here. Honestly, it depends on what you want to do at that point. Um, I, I'm in. I don't get me wrong. I'm on Jackson's pro staff, but I'm I'm genuinely in them because I think it's the best kayak catfishing platform. I do. I, I don't think anything comes close to a kayak catfishing platform. I just wish a company would take a leap and specifically make a kayak catfishing vessel. I, that would be sweet. But again, like I said, we're a niche sport. Like I think you- we'll see that in the next
0: few years. Yeah, I, I think definitely think that's on its way. All right, so let's get into kayak catfish uh, winter catfishing uh, tactics from the kayak. Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, as you can see, you know we're in, we're in the month of January. Um, can be considered no man's land when it comes to bass fishing. You know, it's really tough. You know, that's early December is a really good time to, to bass fish. You know, as we've seen, we had an event on Dell hollow did really good, but man, when you get into these winter months, you know, I, I imagine all fish get a little lethargic. Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and I wanted to kind of talk about maybe some parallels if there is some, or if there's not, Oh, excuse me. Cause like in the wintertime, how bass stack up do catfish kind of do that. And, and we'll, we'll get into all that, but uh, man, I don't know how you guys want to play this thing, but uh, let's do it. Let's dive into. Uh, so it's January, so, temps are cold. Where are you seeing these catfish go? If anywhere different, than like, are you on a river or a lake? I have no idea. You tell me.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say I'll go over. I'll go over river fishing. You can go over lake fishing. So, um, so for river fishing, the key is patience. Uh what you do is you don't fish from January until April and then you're golden. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually know. I actually have a ton of winter videos out. Um no it, it winter fishing's awesome. Uh it's the hardest and the easiest at the same exact time and I'll explain why. Uh but it's some of the best fishing cuz no one's out but you. Like you are literally the only person out on the water the majority of the time. Uh I try and go with a buddy But I'm just talking about general boat traffic because it's too cold. There's like, there's not a single pleasure boater out there. That's, that's fantastic. And you, you get the random fishermen every now and then. But in my experience, I've had really good luck with other fishermen on boats. They haven't been, you know, they don't come and blow you out of the water. Um, But so winter fishing The smaller catfish and the bigger catfish will start schooling up for body temperatures. Same exact thing with the baitfish. So we're always trying to net shad in the winter because shad's the best baitfish um, in the winter in the majority parts of the country. You can still use your skipjack. You can still use your bluegill and stuff. But a shad is a much easier prey than all those other game fish species for a catfish. Water's colder. Um, I wouldn't necessarily use the word lethargic, but their metabolism their metabolism is naturally down because of the water being colder. So they don't need to eat as often. Um, But it makes getting bait extremely easy or extremely hard. If you find that pod of shad, you could throw your cast net once and have enough bait for three months, or you can throw your cast net five hundred times and not get a single shad. So. You might get lucky. And if you're in a boat, you know, you can fly up and down the river, you can find the pods of shad. It's a lot easier. Places you want to look for these shad is obviously the places it's warmest and the water temperature is the most consistent. If we have a uh, warm front roll through or um, if the water temperature spikes for a little bit and like a warm front, I'm talking like you're going from 33 degree waters to 37 degree water. Like that's a jump in, in winter fishing, that is a giant jump in, Temperature. They're going to be a lot more active at 37 than 33. Same thing, 37 to like 41. Um, and the lower you go, the less that has to jump for it to change. And the water is the most consistent at the bottom of the river. Your top, the top of the water is gonna change much more drastically than the bottom. So a lot of times you can't even get to the shad because they might all be holding at 30 foot on the Ohio River you're not going to be able to get your cast net down that deep without it closing up, even if you're using one of those tape cast nets. Uh, so you really want to target your bait, you know, on good occasions and always have frozen bait backed up. I like to go in a marina. There's when we flood out, there's this local marina you can literally launch from the parking lot and you can fish in the marina. Um, you can go out and fish the mouth in the marina. So uh, Creek mouths and Marina mouths are phenomenal for winter fishing because the shad will go up and bluegill and your crappie and your white bass they will all go into the warm water of the marina well naturally that's where the catfish are going to follow them. the two best catfish i've ever caught in the ohio river came out of a marina in the same exact fishing trip i was just dragging a 20 foot marina that's normally like eight foot because it it was just the ohio river was flooded also fishing these marinas and these these back creeks uh The most flooding happens in the winter around here. It's a lot safer. You're essentially fishing in a lake during the winter and you're applying, sometimes you're applying like early fall, late spring tactics to these fish in the middle of the winter. It's great. Or you, like I said, you can anchor in front of the creek mouths. You can anchor in front of the marina mouths and you want to go up a little bit uh, upstream a little bit and then have your bait settling that way. We don't do a lot of movement fishing when it's really cold. And if you do do movement fishing, you're usually doing it at a much slower rate. I'm talking like 0.1 miles an hour, 0.2 miles an hour. In the winter, the key is find that consistent water flow, deep holes. Like if you can find a stretch of river where it's a 50-foot hole, and I'm talking a hole, not a channel. Uh, So for instance, downtown Cincinnati, there's a lot of really long quarter, half-mile long channels that are consistently 30, 40, 50 feet. They're not going to stage there. That's not a staging hole. Now, if you can find one that's a couple hundred feet, not even wide and long, that's a, that's a hole. They're going to be schooled up and stacked in there. The most consistent water is going to be coming through. And that's where all the food is, too, honestly. The, the heaviest current is going to be there, and that's where all the food comes through. So the way – if you can think about your tub letting water out, everything shoots to that spell. Well, river's the same exact way. Just think about it. Wherever the river's going fastest, it's pulling all the food there. And that typically is always where it's deepest. So they're going to be where the food's at. That's that's where the food is at. When I, I tell people, you know, I'm like, they're they're sitting in 50 foot because that's where they feed nine times out of 10. A lot of people think they go shallow to feed. They do occasionally. But they could live their whole life in those fifty foot holes. They don't have to come out. That's where the food's at. Like people don't understand. Like that's where the food's at in the river. Um, and then you know you just work your way up that bank, and you can just honestly, you could just work your way up the hierarchy. You got your catfish on the bottom. A little higher, you'll have your other predatory fish. A little higher, you'll have even less. And then typically at the top, you have your like the your uh, vegetarian fish, like your shad and stuff.
0: So. Um... I know you said that you could, you know, you could technically, I guess, fish those 50 foot holes all year long. So in the wintertime, you're seeing them more and deeper holes, right? And pockets and, and isolated, uh, pockets and holes like that. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a much higher percentage of them are there and, and the big fish start schooling with the small fish. See when it's warmer weather, you'll have the small fish still kind of school. So every now and then you'll get into like, let's say you, you know, you're fishing a 50 foot hole and it's just dink after dink after dink. You might have a school of a hundred dinky catfish underneath you. But in the summertime, those big fish, they're loners. They, they no longer rely on the other fish because what happens in those schools, like a feeding frenzy will happen. Uh, one shadow it killed and 10 catfish will come and tear that one shad apart into a hundred little pieces. Well, that big okay. catfish can just eat that whole thing himself. So he doesn't, he no longer needs to rely on other fish to feed, but in the winter, it's warmth. There's a, there's a warmth factor. So the big fish start to come in with the smaller fish. And now in winter fishing, the only catch is like, you don't necessarily, if you are getting dinked to death, you don't necessarily want to leave because that doesn't mean the big one's not there. In the summer, there's a very good chance if you're getting dinked to death, that's all, that's where you're currently at.
0: Now, have you found consistencies with like uh bigger bait, bigger fish in the winter? Like, do they want that one big easy meal or does size of bait really matter?
2: Winter is much different monster than the summer. So in the winter, I rarely ever use a piece of bait bigger than one by one, two by two, uh, no matter what size of fish I'm going after, because their metabolism their metabolism is down across the board. So even the big fish might just be looking for a snack. Like they might not be looking for you know, a a bigger bait to, you know, fill their belly. What happens is when you have those warm fronts and stuff come through, when they become a little more active, they might become more aggressive. So when I'm dragging in the marinas, I'll switch over to a couple big baits because I guarantee you there'll be a couple big fish in there looking to gorge. But when you're just trying to catch them in their home, when they're sitting in those 50 foot holes, that's just like a, a snack that's coming through that they don't really have to work for. So they, you know, they may or may not pick it up the best yeah. example i try and give people is you know uh in the summer they will drive to mcdonald's to get their food but here's the thing if 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 a big mac was put in front of you at home you would still eat it in the winter they're much less likely to drive to get their food but they're still going to eat that big mac if you put it in front of their face in their home <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> so.
0: Hey, <man. laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, it's like I heard an analogy. Somebody was talking about, oh, it's bigger bait, bigger fish. Well, it's not all, you know, I forget who it was that was talking about. It It was a kayak angler. Um, He's like, you just gorged yourself for Thanksgiving dinner. You go in, sit down on the couch. Mom brings in a bowl of Lay's chips. You don't want any because you're stuffed. After about five or ten minutes, you start thinking, maybe I'll just have one. Boom. You're hooked.
2: (laughs) That's a, that's a, that's a fantastic example. That's a fantastic, that's a fantastic example. Uh, So the, the main reason a lot, a main reason a lot of tournament guys too, will to go to big baits. Normally you want to fill your limit. um, So you use normal or small baits to fill your limit. And then when you go to big baits, you rarely go to big baits because you want big fish with an appetite. It's to eliminate the small fish getting hooked up. That's normally why you actually go to big baits. Like most tournament guys, they're not going to go to big baits. Well, they shouldn't go to big baits right off the rip unless it's like a one fish win all. But most tournament guys, they're going to do, you know, your little normal size baits until they limit. And then they'll start increasing their bait size as their live well gets bigger. Cool. So what about you, Ryan?
0: Let's talk
1: about some lakes. So mainly I fish Tyler'sville Lake especially in the wintertime because it's close. I can run down there while it's nice out, have a couple hours of a trip or four or five-hour trip versus summertime. I'll drive three or four hours and have a 20-hour trip because I don't care about weather. But as far as what I do and where I do it, I look for the bait, number one, because like Mike was talking about, your bait fish, you're going to stay in consistent areas a lot of times on the river. In the lake, they're continuously moving. Because just like recently, we had all that rain. Well, Taylorsville Lake, I actually launched from the parking lot at the state ramp the other day. I used the turnaround in the parking lot as a boat ramp. And the water came, I think it came up like 14 feet in two days or something crazy. That fires them catfish up because it forces the bait fish to move. And usually when it does that, the main lake gets current in it. The back creeks have current when it first starts, but once they stabilize, the main lake has current. The back creeks are more stationary. So the fish move up into those back creeks, you know. The the catfish are forced out of being buried up in the mud in the in the lake. They're forced up. The bait fish are forced up in there. The water's usually warmer in there. That's where I'm going. Now, like this weekend, the bait fish were so scattered out that uh, it took three hours to get bait because they were just scattered everywhere. They weren't grouped up in one school. You'll you'll mark them two or three here and two or three over there, and you'll throw your cast net and you'll get one. You'll move and throw your cast net and you'll get one. The fish are usually hanging back in a little bit shallower water in that same creek. That's normally what I do. is my technique then, but we in the summertime as I'm going 0.5, 0.6, sometimes even up to 0.75, you know, depending on what the fish want, you just have to try different things and figure out what they want. As far as speed, you know, you, I was talking about your, your leader line length on your, on your bait. You got to float between your sinker and your hook. Adjust yeah. that back and forth to shorten it up and get it down closer to the bottom. Cause those fish are still hugging down tight, okay. you know, that mud is pretty consistent in temperature that's why they bury up in it in the winter time a lot i slow down to about 0.2 0.25 some like this weekend i got them at 0.3 i'll go as fast as possible and still catch fish because you want to cover all that water you know you want to cover that water as quick and efficient as possible but you also got to slow it down enough to where they will eat it as it goes by them instead of just, oh, they're wanting a nice meal. You know, like he was talking about driving to McDonald's. They're not going to put forth an effort to catch that bait. So I usually will start out somewhere around the 40-foot range and work my way up into the shallows. Versus in the summertime, I'm probably going to start in the shallows. And I'm probably in the summertime, which we have a thermocline in Taylorsville, which means there's no oxygen below that thermocline level. I'll start out in ten foot of water and I have actually caught fish and seen them come up behind me and hit the bait. I mean literally their backs are sticking out of the water when they hit my baits, but wow. they're super active when they're like that and you get I mean that shallow water bite it's just not all the fish are in there, but there is actively feeding fish in there. And, and when they're on there and when they're in there like that they are active and aggressive they will hit a rod and just slam it down i mean and and shake the whole kayak when they do it you know it's just a rush because you're catfishing not like bass fishing bass fishing you're always having to hold that rod and be active and and always having to concentrate on what you're doing usually i'll set my rods out i'm gonna play on facebook or tiktok or watching a youtube video or or something you know i'm i'm just Sleep. taking a nap i mean i'm i'm me and mike's both really bad for dragging and taking naps as, as while we're fishing but uh actually that the big fish i caught at hoover at that tournament this year i had done told mike i kicked back and took a nap and, and we were what 50 yards away from each other mike <laughs> something so i mean we were we were talking back and forth to each other we were that close I was like, forget it. I'm skunked. It's lunchtime. I'm going to set my course heading and lock it in, and I'm taking a nap. I locked that course heading in, laid my head back, and about the time I closed my eyes, the whole kayak spun around. And <laughs> and that was wintertime fishing. I mean, what was we, I think, right around 40-degree water up there?
2: Uh, So we were – I'm uh, I'm I, I myself. Yeah. So we were it was lower 40s, but it was so there's a big difference between water coming up and water going down as well. So when the water's coming up, the fish are becoming more active. Whereas when the water's going down, they're they're starting to shut down. Yeah. So it was in the low 40s, but it was on its way up from the high 30s. So we we were actually on an active fishing bite. So it was you were still able to still able to drag, and I want to say that was April of last year, yeah. and a, a lot of people get hung up on months the fish does not care what day of the year it is. Like the fish is not like it's April 15th. Now I got to start eating. Like you gotta, you gotta read the water. Like the the water temp is for, in my opinion, river fishing water temp is the the most important thing. And what happened within the last two weeks, because 60 degree water temp today is not the same 60 degree water temp last year, this same day, what happened the two previous weeks will determine the pattern of that fish. Something I did not highlight. The style of fishing you're doing in the winter in the river is you're, you're mainly anchor fishing. There's, there's little to no suspend, drifting, dragging in, in the river. Like you're anchor fishing. You're, you're trying to find the fish and fish in the hole. Uh, This is one of the few times of the year where if I don't see fish on the graph, I'll move. Whereas like in the summer and stuff, the fish are so active. Even if you don't, sometimes I'll go an entire eight hour trip and not see a single fish on the graph and catch 30 catfish. And then, but in the winter, I'm not going to sit on a hole where I see no activity and you have to learn how to like tell, okay, is that a fish in the mud or is that a rock? <laughs> Cause, yeah. Cause like they would, they, bur- they literally burrow into the mud to stay warm. And, and that's another
1: thing. Like Mike relies on his electronics a lot more than I do, mainly because he's got better electronics than I do. I rely more on that gut feeling. I mean, I call it fishing off of instinct. When I, when I show up, I I do the same thing. I've read the water, I'm reading the current speed, looking at my past water levels for the last week. You know, is is it on the rise? Is it dropping? Is it about to crest? Especially in the river lakes, that same thing applies, you know, that water coming up that moves those fish up into them back creeks more and when it's going down they'll be out in the middle of the lake i call it no man's land because i mean i've had a hundred people ask me what are you doing out there you know you're out in the middle of the no man's land there's there's nothing out there well that's where i'm fishing today and and usually the same people ask me why i'm out there and kind of give me crap for being out there are the same ones going hey where'd you catch them fish at today you know (laughs) because you'll make that post and you'll get you know, I made a Facebook post today and I think I got seven different people messaging me right after that going, Hey, where'd you get them fish? where would you catch them on? You know, was you anchoring? Cause that's the general consensus in the catfish world. When that water temp drops below 50 degrees, the general consensus, everybody says, Oh, you got to quit, quit fishing and moving. I, I call it motion fishing. You got to anchor up, you got to anchor up on them and give them time to find that bait and, and give them time to eat it. That's, that's not me. I'm, I'm way too active of a person to, to just sit there and wait on them fish. And it may not be the best thing to do, but it's just who I am and what my gut tells me to do. And, and I tell everybody fishing is 80% mental, 10% luck and 10% skill. I mean, once you, once you start figuring it out, you know what you've got to do, but if it ain't working and, in the first five minutes, you know, everybody wants to, well, I'm doing something different. This didn't work. This didn't work. Well, you didn't give it time. You know, you've got to give it time to get that bait in front of that active fish. And that's yeah. where the mental part comes in. You know, you'll be doing the right thing and you'll quit because you don't, you start doubting yourself. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, I, I've seen it Mike's seen it. You show up to a tournament, you've got people beat before you ever launched the kayaks. I mean, you can read them and tell, you know they're in their head oh man well ryan's got this or mike's got this you know and and you can sit back me and mike both called the sandusky tournament you know john ratliff ran away with that up there on us this year and we both called it you know he's from the area he's a really good angler he fishes that area quite often he knows what he's doing there you know and and i told mike i was like i'm picking me to win it but I'm, he's probably going to be there. You know, he's going to be in the top four or five. Yeah, and, It
2: hurt me so much to come behind Ryan in that event.
1: <laughs> that event, though, <laughs> I got you, but the last, like, 10 minutes, he stayed in front of me. Oh. Hey. Oh. An and seven hours <laughs> and 49 minutes he was in front of me. And the last 10 minutes, we decided to make a move and go across to a different area. You know, in the last, it was like the, we had an hour left in the tournament. We decided to pull up from where we had been fishing and go to a different area. We get halfway there and my battery dies and I have to switch out. I was still running two lead acids. So when I switched out, they got over there and got set up and was already dragging and coming back toward me. So I just set up and start dragging that way. And And like 10 minutes to go, I posted three fish that were my three biggest fish of the day and and past mike and i mean i heard him i heard him check the score like at times up i heard him check the score you
2: mother blah blah blah." and i was like check the score didn't you there wasn't enough like uh i stood up yelling at him like genuinely mad because the funniest part about that when we made that move i just put three bigger fish on the board So in my brain, I just pulled even farther because like, I figured I'm like, all right, I would, I I would have to replace all five fish with like five monsters to win it or even cash at this point. Um, Because of the 13 anglers, we probably caught 500 fish that day, give or take. Cause I was in the 50 to 70 range. Like I stopped counting after about 30 Uh, and that's catfish. That's not even include the drum. So it's insane fishing in Sandusky. And like, I'm thinking at that point, I'm like, I just need to, Kick this hillbilly's butt, and I uh, you know we're dragging up. I'm starting to catch bigger fish. I'm getting more excited. I look down at that scoreboard, and I stand up, "You mother! I was so <laughs> so mad, so mad.
0: And it was dumb,
2: dumb luck
1: that I even that I even found the spot that I did because on Navionics it showed it being almost perfectly flat across through there, and then Navionics isn't good for know and and dropping off into the channel where Mike was. So my battery died, so I'm having to disconnect my entire trolling motor and, and move the battery and all that stuff. While I'm doing that, my graph is hooked up to a separate battery. So I, I glance over and I see my graph and I just see this huge ledge, like it was a 15-foot drop. And I'm like, okay then. So when I got the battery connected back, I just put my lines out. I was like, I'm working this ledge and I'll work it as far over toward Mike as it'll go. And the first pass up through there, like a hundred yard stretch of water. And I caught two really nice fish. And I'm just like, all right, I haven't had a bite in about 15 minutes. So I turn around and dragged back through it again. And coming back through it again, I nailed my biggest fish of the trip and, and put me up in front of Mike. And I'm like, oh, I got him now. And then I look down and I'm submitting those fish. And I had like one minute left when I submitted that last fish.
2: Nice. <laughs> But it
1: was just dumb luck that I even found that because if I, if my battery hadn't died, I would have just went straight over the way Mike and them did. But the wind caught me and blew me sideways and blew me right across that. And I mean, it was, it was just dumb luck, that I found it.
0: Yeah, man. That's awesome though. But, uh, I'll tell you winter fishing, uh, you know, kind of back to that, it, it can be intimidating. And I know, as Mike said before, you know, there's not a lot of people that, that fish in the winter, you know, you don't have all the boats, you don't have the pleasure boaters. And i have been used to it, Ryan, but, um That's one part that I like about winter bass fishing is, you know, I can fish a lot of these creeks and lakes and, and, uh, I don't have to worry about 15 people around me, you know, trying to outfish me or trying to beat me to a spot and all that. Um, or see you catch a fish, and then they come and fish right on top of you. <laughs> I was
1: uh, I was fishing Chickamauga this year for it was actually the the national championship tournament. Uh, it was the final round of it, and I was bumping the dam and and when you get down there, there's catfishermen everywhere. Like there, that's where the guides go, and that's where the striper guys are, and you, you got several bass guys up there throwing a rigs around the bridge pillars. Well, there was like four or five catfish boats up in there, and I I didn't want those guys to see me catch anything because I didn't want them to see where I'd bump that fish up at. And uh, I caught the biggest fish of the day for myself there. And I look up and there's three catfish boats right around me. And I mean, I'm on a uh, Hobie's not a small kayak, and you know you got some deep sides there on it. But I'm trying to pull that fish up into the kayak, and I don't want these other boats to see it. And and I've rolled the fish up in there and look over. And once I get it rolled up in my lap, then I look around to see if anybody's noticed that I'd caught that fish or not. And I look up, and uh, Trophy Seeker Outdoors from YouTube, they were right beside me, and they had the camera on me. They were live on YouTube and had the camera right on me. And I was like, oh, man. And luckily, luckily, none of those those other boats. The big thing to do down there for uh, catfish, they like to free drift baits, And and you see guys doing it. And I think Justin did a video where him and uh, Joe – The chat Did it, and I mean they catch like a hundred eater-sized catfish doing that, but it's rare that you see them catch a nice fish doing that. And and what we do is bumping or back bouncing, which my bass fishing background pulled me in too hard. I mean I was—it's just like bass fishing, except for you're doing it in reverse. Instead of reeling your bait in, you're letting your bait out, you know, and you're filling that bottom and working that bait down the bottom as you're going. And and when you get a bite, it's the same as bass fishing—you'll feel the fish suck the bait in. And you know you wait on him to come tight, and then you bring back and set the hook if you want to. Or like I'm, I use J hooks, so usually by the time I feel the pressure of the fish, the hooks already set itself anyway. So
2: he meant to say circle, yeah, circle hook.
1: Now I I've been wanting to try bumping with J hooks. I just never have. Just so I can just so I can get that hook set. You know that that wild bass fishing hook set. Mike got to witness me do that up at uh, Cowan in a bass tournament. We fished together this year, and uh, that was a pretty cool day. I caught big fish at the bass tournament up there and then won the catfish tournament with a big fish up
0: there the same day. Was that with was strictly first, Cincinnati – yeah,
2: Cincinnati catfish? Yeah, yep. Nice. My only advice, if if someone made it this far, is don't fish back-to-back fishing tournaments the day after you get a vasectomy. The day before that Friday night, two p.m. I had uh, I had that surgery done. The next morning, bass fishing tournament. An hour after bass fishing tournament, I scheduled our cat fishing tournament. And yeah, sixteen hours on a kayak fishing. It was miserable. It was. I quit. Yeah, I quit the bass tournament. Not even twenty minutes in. Yeah. I watched like him reel on that big fish and I was just like, I'm done. I can't do this.
1: <laughs> and and it wasn't, it, even the, it wasn't even the pain that got him that day, though. He, he's just like, all right, I'm done. I'm not casting this lower anymore.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad. But there's like two different fishermen. There's some people who like sitting and waiting and there's some people who really enjoy casting. I, I can see the love of both. I can totally see the love of both. I just so happen to be on the side who doesn't like to cast. You know what yeah. I mean? I can see how both are just as much fun to pe- yeah. I, I think it's just however your brain works yeah
0: yeah I tried to crack a joke there I didn't know if y'all heard me but I said that's nuts
1: ah. <laughs>
0: <Yep>. <laughs> but uh but no listen guys I appreciate y'all I don't want to hang- keep y'all on here too long but it's it's definitely an honor to have both of you guys on here I feel like I say that every time but it is like I enjoy talk fishing with with you know different people and having different subjects on the podcast, Wade and I have had conversations about, you know, me and him and Jeremy about, you know, what we're trying to do this year. And, and I want to get back. I felt like I kind of got away from the, just the multiple topics stuff, you know, being a tournament director of bluegrass kayak anglers, I was kind of focused more on bass, a lot of bass stuff last year, but, um, I'm bringing it back to or we're bringing it back to uh, just a lot of different different subjects, you know, catfish and musky fishing bass, uh, all things fishing. You know, that what was originally planned. So, um, but I, I truly enjoy the topic and truly enjoy having you guys on. Uh, it's something that not a lot of people do out of a kayak, which is you know catfishing, especially in the winter months. And I, I do want to encourage everybody: if you do go out and you know try to get on catfish, especially winter time, be safe, wear your PFD. Bring a change of clothes to your truck. Um, you know, have let somebody know where you're going. Take a buddy, like when y'all said. You know, it's, it's always good to have a buddy with you. Uh, excuse me, but but be safe. You know, wear your PFD. Let somebody know where you're going. Bring change of clothes, a towel, because you never know when you got to take that drink, like uh,
2: Ryan did with his kayak there. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Mike did it too. Don't let him fool you.
2: He did it. Uh, yeah, I flipped. I flipped in uh, 33 degree water in 36 degree weather. Yeah, that, yeah, that wasn't fun. That sucked. Uh oh, So my only advice there is always fish upstream of where you launch. Always in the winter. I will not fish downstream. It's just not, I just won't do it. Even if it means I don't get the fish well that day, it's just not worth my life. Um, and never fight the current. If you flip, just swim sideways, let the current do its thing, swim sideways. Never, ever, ever try and swim against the current. You, you're going to burn 10 X more energy trying to swim against the current. And last but not least, uh, neoprene waders will sink you is a myth. That is a myth. They actually, they're annoyingly buoyant. Um, don't ask me how I know I fell in the river <laughs> with them on
0: yeah. videos that, that they will absolutely float. Like you, it's hard yep. to sink. Them.
2: Yeah. Now the ones that are like a parachute, like that one. So those fill up with water and it's not the weight that pulls you down. It's the current that pulls you down. And it becomes really—that's what pulls you down. The neoprene waders, though, man. Those when the boots are rubber, they're so buoyant. It's so when I was swimming in that thirty-degree water, I was going nowhere because they were so buoyant. I couldn't get them to stop coming up, and I couldn't paddle my feet. It was infuriating. (laughs) It was infuriating.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a hassle. So, oh good. Hang on one second, Mike. You held up something there. Was those playing cards?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So real quick before we leave, I'm doing doing something really unique for our identifiers this year for our trail. So check this out. Okay. So I'm going to give you an identifier. These are playing cards because I was trying to figure out a way of doing like a custom identifier without just handwriting it. So each card has like a different color of our logo. So when you come to our check-in, you're going to get two of these cards of the same color, and that's going to be your identifier for the day, and I'm going to write down what you got. one of and this is this is just fishing in general kayak fish or yeah kayak tournament fishing in general like everyone thinks it's easy to cheat if you're not in our world i actually think it's harder to cheat in our world than the boat scene just because i've done both and i if i really thought about if i wanted to cheat that one would be a lot easier but yeah so like the identifier no one's going to have the identifier until that morning at check in um and then i got i went and got custom made poker chips uh if you can see a theme here that has the OCT uh, name and a sticker on it. So I'm going to give you an OCT poker chip in the morning. That's, you have to drop that back off with me in a bucket to, to return. If your chip is in that bucket at the return time, you're disqualified. It's that simple. So we have a launch time and a re- you can trailer, but we have a launch and return time and you have to drop your chip. And this is how all the big catfishing tournaments do it. You get a chip, you drop your chip back off that way. The, administrator doesn't have to manually check every single person in and then he just goes through the chips and whoever's there they they qualified and if your chips not in that bucket by a certain time you're just automatically disqualified um that just that just ensures that everyone uses the same identifier no one gets the identifier early like no you can't write down the wrong letter i can't tell you how many times people would write the wrong identifier down and uh, it's that's one of those few black and white you have the wrong identifier, dude. I, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do for you. But no. in this case, I'm going to give you one of these and a backup one. So if you lose these, that's I, that's on you. Um, and at our check-in, I'm doing a board inspection where I'm doing a right angle on your board, and I'm measuring it, and I'm putting stickers on your board. And if that sticker is not visible in the picture along with the identifier, then your picture is disqualified because that sticker will tell me that was the board I inspected
0: nice that's how muskies inc does it we they give us a sticker uh when we musky fish uh that we had to put on our board yeah yeah that makes sense yeah that's pretty slick so well guys i appreciate y'all glad to be here bud yep i uh, appreciate have y'all to, being on We what to do this again because uh mike i know i I'd, I'd promised to fish some of your events last year and i got lazy and didn't i was actually super busy but uh
2: i was gonna say i thought you were just busy i didn't think you
0: were lazy Uh, extremely but if excuse me lord willing uh i will get up there and try to at least fish an event or something or at least go out and watch you uh watch you ryan put on a clinic or something but um i'd like to to at least see uh see you guys in action and uh and all that but really appreciate you guys coming on podcast. And uh, look forward to uh, maybe I mean, maybe we work out something to have your winners on the uh, the podcast every event or something. Uh, whoever wins, maybe come on and talk about that and help promote the trail that way as well. That'd be Uh, cool. So I'll be seeing you a lot more then.
2: (laughs) This son of a, I can't, I can't even get mad. (laughs)